Did you know that 80% of all travel decisions are made by women? And did you know that 75% of those who take adventure, cultural, or nature trips are women? Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon-Bennett coming to you from a hot and steamy Las Vegas, Nevada, and I am joined, as always, by the man from Barbados via the Big Apple, Dave Cumberbatch. Dave, man, what is going on in your world? Well, what's going on in my world uh, is that I'm so happy. I am so happy that I'm able to travel again. I'm really looking forward to taking one of these trips to the Caribbean. Oh, man. I know you're long overdue. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's time. It's time. It's time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Caribbean, we're actually going to have a, our, our guest today is actually uh, going to enlighten us a little bit about her travels. Uh, and, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about Jamaica. Uh, she happens to be in Mexico right now. We may not ask her too much about that, but I'll probably get something out of her. Um, yeah. You know, asking her what it's like to travel solo. Uh, uh, you know, especially as a black woman in, in this day and age. So that will be exciting. But before I introduce her, let's get these housekeeping notes out of the way because I'm anxious to get started. This uh, podcast, TripCast 360, is available anywhere you get a podcast. I don't care what platform you're on. We're on it as well. But the best place to listen to it is on our website at TripCast360.com. Subscribe, like, follow us, invite your friends. We are a different brand of a podcast. We're not a boring travelogue. We believe in having fun. Laughter is definitely allowed. You may hear a few words you probably wouldn't hear anyplace else, but that is okay with us. We enjoy the hell out of it. So That's right. um, just just come on and, and uh, uh, put your headset on or you know, listen at home or listen in the car while you're driving and just uh, uh, enjoy the uh, hour we have. Uh, Dave, uh, let them know about our social media and then we'll get going. We are on the, we're in the popular social media platforms. That is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we're trying to find a way to put some short videos on TikTok. Uh, that's seemed to be a trend at that at the moment. So we, we're actually thinking about that. Yep, yep, yep. And, and speaking of short videos, we, you're going to notice a change on our website coming up in probably about another month. We are making a concerted effort now that travel and, and tourism is back, at least in some parts of the world, to start incorporating more video uh, into our uh, platform. Uh, actually, our travel guru, uh, Catherine uh, Parker Magyar, was just uh, in the Maldives, and she is a scuba diver. She's a licensed scuba diver, and she took some great underwater footage. So we're going to make a concerted effort to start showcasing some more of the video content uh, of travel, just not just our voices. So stay tuned for all that. She's anyway. a daredevil. She's a daredevil, Mike. Oh, man. This, this girl, I mean, scuba diving with great white trucks is one thing. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, jumping uh, off of buildings in, uh, yeah, in, in New Zealand. In yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, what, what was that? 600 feet that she jumped off that building? <laughs> you know, I, I've done some stupid things before, but, uh, you know, I've jumped out of airplanes and things like that. But this girl takes us to a whole new level. So we're, we've got a whole bunch of video coming your way in addition to our podcast. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, without further ado, our guest is patiently waiting. Her name is Renee Cherez. She's a, a former New York City preschool teacher who is now a solo travel nomad. As a freelance writer, she specializes in personal essays on her experiences as a Black woman traveling and existing in the world, Black travel and healing through travel. 
She actually came to our attention through a story she wrote in Lonely Planet, Why Jamaica is the Perfect Kid-Friendly Destination. And as somebody who's been to Jamaica a lot, I actually want to hear this. Renee, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello, Renee. So nice to have you on board. That article Michael just mentioned, uh, Why Jamaica is the Perfect Kid-Friendly Destination, actually grabbed my attention, and that's why we reached out to you. But but there's so much more to your portfolio. Uh, I think Ma- Michael mentioned earlier about traveling as a solo uh, black woman. Uh, all all of those subjects, you know, we want to touch touch on. But first, um, you were a school teacher. What prompted you to to literally quit that and make the transition to being a a digital nomad, for lack of a better word, I guess. So many things. One, I was tired. I was tired of just like going and doing the same thing every single day. And I've never held a job for more than two years. (laughs) I'm not not sure if that's good or bad, but okay. (laughs) Well, freelancing is the longest I've been in. in, Freelancing is the longest um, job (laughs) that that I've had because, you know, I get to do it for myself and work on my own schedule and, um, yeah, I think teaching, I feel like I'm still a teacher in some way, but, you know, going into a building and working with children is not, yeah. And I've always loved traveling. So I was always taking vacations. I was always, every, t- every time I could go somewhere for three days, five days a week. So. Well, first, um, tell us why Jamaica is, a, is the perfect. <laughs> you just, you, you didn't say only it's a kid-friendly destination, but you said it's the perfect kid-friendly de- destination. Can you share your thoughts with, uh, with us? <laughs> well, Jamaica, I was born in Jamaica. And uh, obviously, yes, I think I know what you both are referring to and why you think maybe it's not a perfect place for kids. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, no, no, don't put words <laughs> in our mouth. But... I feel like if you're if you are a family and you're going to, you know, the touristy areas, Matiko Bay, Ochi, Grill, you can definitely um, there's definitely things for you to do with kids. And Jamaica is just diverse with nature and animals. And it's just so much for kids to learn, especially, uh, you know, over the last year, the classroom hasn't been available. And so I feel like traveling, traveling is also like a great way to teach children. Right. And so. One of the things I pointed out in the article was um, I, there was a, a one of the gardens, Turtle Gardens. So there's yeah. different areas where you can point different animals out and, you know, excite children's um, mm-hmm. curiosity with different species and flowers and all the things that they wouldn't get in their normal, you know, day to day, wherever they might live. So. Well, n- now we're going to tell you why we asked that question. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday, <laughs> we had a gentleman on who heads up a new tour company that is actually based in Jamaica called Ganja Vacations. <laughs> you could read between the lines because that's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> but it, it, it was fascinating. <laughs> yeah, but it was actually fascinating to us because uh, because Jamaica has recently relaxed their cannabis laws. So, uh, you know, and I've been to Jamaica a lot. I know Dave has, too. And. I, I don't recall seeing a lot of kids, but I did see some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've seen them total in the tourist areas. A lot of kids. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you what, it was a story that needed to be written, a story needed to be told, because there, there are very few stories, or at least I don't see many stories of folks writing and, you know, s- specifically about kid-friendly destinations. Yeah, we really don't. And, and Jamaica is, I love Jamaica. I go back there. I, I, if I could live there, I would. I, I would go back to Jamaica in a minute because I just, I like the vibe of the country and the people are friendly and, and, you know, yeah. I, and I, I don't, I don't like traveling where I just go to Ocho or Montego Bay. I like to go into the culture and get to know the people. And that's where I like Jamaica so much. And I think, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. Jamaica is like the second most popular destination in the Caribbean. Behind the Bahamas, I am not sure. You you grab me in that one. I'm I'm not. I, I really think it sure. is, and the only reason the Bahamas has has that top spot is because of their proximity to the U.S. mainland. That, right, exactly. Yeah, I know. I I know in the Spanish speaking uh, Caribbean, the Dominican Republic has a huge uh, tourism product, um, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I know Jamaica's definitely in the top two or three. We know yeah. that for sure. Listen, and, man, never, never give the host a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, about, in about a week, I anticipate the Jamaicans celebrating when they clean up all the medals at the Olympics. So um, <laughs> you, you're absolutely right. Yeah, especially for the women's track stars. Yeah. They're, they're, they're phenomenal. Uh, you know, so anyway, enough of Jamaica. Um, sp- <laughs> speaking of Spanish, uh, Renee, why don't you tell everybody where you are right now? I'm currently in Mexico. Um, yeah, my Spanish. Where where in Mexico? Uh, Merida, Mexico. Okay. That's in the Yucatan. Yucatan, right. And uh, I I noticed from some of your other postings on uh, on some of the stories you've written, when you travel to destinations, you have a tendency to stay there for a while. Yeah. Uh, How long have you been there and how long are you staying there? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been here now almost almost eight months ish really wow yeah Yeah. wow yeah how do you find um did you i I mean i would imagine that that you did a whole lot of research before going there um how do you get around how do you know how did you know it's safe to travel how did you i mean understanding the culture is probably not uh difficult to uh to figure out but how are you staying at an Airbnb? You stay at a hotel? Or are you staying with friends? No, I have my own place and live here. <laughs> oh, you live there. That's interesting. Moment, yeah. Um, me and Mexico have really had like a love affair for the last like decade. Like I have loved Mexico for a really long time. And I always knew that I wanted to live here at some point. So even when I was in Asia and I always had dreams that I'm coming back to Mexico. I'm coming back to Mexico. Like I'm going to live in Mexico. And yeah, no, no, I'm here this, since last year. <laughs> there, There is a vibe to Mexico. One of the other places I've been quite a bit, um, uh, not where you are, but I've been to other parts of Mexico. And there, we had a guest on in re- referencing Dave's reference to Digital Nomad. He actually started a, um, he's from Boston. His wife is from Mexico. They live in Quetro. That is right. Yeah, and they started a, uh, a Spanish language company where they teach Spanish. They became multimillionaires from it. Wow! All from Mexico. He he didn't speak a lick of Spanish when he got there. She's the Spanish teacher, 
and they monetized it, put it online. And, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're making their money in U.S. dollars and spending pesos. Yeah. That's usually the rule of thumb. Yeah. 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 Are you finding the, the, the experience of a cheaper cost of living better for you there? Um, yeah, but it's really it's cheaper cost of living. But really, for me, it's always been about like quality of life. Mm-hmm. And like when I wake up, how do I feel? How do I want to feel? And what do I want to hear? What do I want to feel? What do I want to see? What do I want to smell? Uh, where do I want to be? So feeling like, you know, I want to feel good in my body, but also I want to feel heat. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean New York City wasn't cutting it for you? <laughs> it was not cutting it. It was not going to work. No, no. <laughs> yeah. can, can you tell us, can you share more about that experience there? I mean, um, yes. I mean, in terms of the environment, what you see, what you get up in the morning, what you hear, how friendly the folks are. Yeah. Um, so Merida, the one thing, so I didn't know anything about Merida before I came here. So the one I knew, like, I knew I, for whatever reason, last summer, I was just on YouTube. And when I typed in Mexico, the first city that popped up was Merida. So there was another black woman here and she was, you know, giving all the details about Merida. And so when I came, I wasn't planning on coming here. I was planning on actually staying in Tulum and like, but then when I got to Tulum, it was just, it wasn't what I expected. So then I had to go back to, I had to go to Jamaica for a funeral and then come back. And so then when I came back, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Merida. And the people here are just, there's something about, I love going to countries and cities and towns where people speak to you, where they actually like go out of their way to, to, to greet you. So that could also be just, you know, a little bit of my Caribbean-ness <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and like, good morning, good afternoon. Like, how are you doing? Like, oh, I love being greeted. I love greeting people. I love waking up and going to the store, whatever it is. And, you know, people acknowledge you and not acknowledge you in like a, you know, creepy way, but right. acknowledge mm-hmm. you like, hello, right? Um, yeah, so it's been really, really good. And the locals have been nice. I feel like the one thing, the one thing that I kept hearing about a lot was the heat. Like, if you don't like heat, like, this is not the place for you. And it's, and the heat, yeah, it's hot. And it's hot, but it also, it's okay. Like, I feel like you definitely get used to it. And the cult, Yucatan culture is so um, rich and diverse. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. There's just so many things to learn. Mexico has such a rich culture. And you think like you know things from living in America about Mexico, but you really don't until <laughs> you're here and you're spending time. And there's just so many, there's just so many things. The food... The food in the Yucatan is way different than the food in other parts of Mexico. So yeah. that's like been, that's like taking time to get used to. Um, but yeah. What's the difference in the food between the two places? The two There's just, you know, different spices. I think like they, I think all of Mexico, like, like Oaxaca, Oaxaca is famous as well for like their, their culinary, culinary staples and like their cheeses and whatnot. Um, Yucatan, I think is famous for, pork and i feel like i don't remember the name of it pork is really popular here turkey surprisingly um i've seen shark on the menu as well which is also surprising (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's just different there's a certain there's a certain spice it's like this red red colored spice that yeah it gives the food a different kind of flavor and it's an acquired taste so if you like it you like it and if you don't like it yeah 
Yeah, that there are certain parts of Mexico too that are have become. This is going to sound terrible, but it actually, for lack of a better word, have become touristy and gotten more Americanized, like Cabo San Lucas, which I've been to a couple times. Um, you know, because it's it's a strip of of land sitting out there at, at the arches where the uh, Sierra Cortez meets the Pacific Ocean, and you know it's just there for tourists. Just there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are more expats, meaning Americans, living there than any place I've ever been outside the United States. There are a ton of them. Even the yeah. Canadians go down there, but they don't go to Cabo San Lucas. They go to San Juan de Cabo, which is about thirty miles north. And their food is definitely okay. Americanized. They, they, mm-hmm. It's like they've lost that little bit of of um, Mexican flair to the food, regardless of what region of Mexico you're from. Yeah. 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 Food, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but the food where you are, it's <laughs> mwah, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, you know, you got your palate has to t- take time to adjust. Yeah, a little. Yeah, and I and I can't turn Dave loose there because he starts to drink too many of those fake uh, <laughs> uh, apple juices that he tries to tell me is is not rum. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always traveled uh, solo? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was sort of. Uh huh. Go ahead. I was sort of interested in, in, in understanding from you the difference between uh, a solo traveler from your experience and someone who travels with either family or friends or so. I mean, I've done all three. Like I've traveled with family, I've traveled with friends and yeah, and I travel solo and <laughs> I always choose to travel solo <laughs> because, well, solo you get, you have more freedom, right? You don't have to, I mean, when you're with friends, it's nice, right? It's nice to be with a group and it's your people and it's fun. And there's like an itinerary-ish, right? You kind of have an idea of what you guys want to do. But then also, like, you'll have to consider every what everyone wants to do as well. So if someone doesn't want to do that specific excursion, then, you know, you have to figure out something that everyone can agree on um, and then do it that and let that be the case. Um, solo travel for me. For me, like you said earlier, I loved moving slowly. So I stay in places for a really long time. And if you're with a group of people, some people might not want to move that slow. Some people might want to move really fast. And in the beginning of traveling, yeah, I was going really, really fast. I was. <laughs> like my first year out when I first went to Asia. Yeah, I was, I was, it was 67. I feel like I was gone for about 67 days and I slept in over like 67 beds. So I was, wow. yeah, I was moving. Yeah, but you don't know. you have? Go ahead, Michael. No, I was yeah, going to say she, she had to break off that New York thing first, so that's why <laughs> you moved so much. But now you're comfortable. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> but, but don't you have to consider? This is just a question. I don't know, but don't you have to consider um, much more your environment, um, your safety? What role does that play when you're traveling solo as opposed to with friends and family or? Yeah, I think I mean, I think maybe you do much more research, right? I think you would do much more research and all of the the onus is on you to know the things because you don't have anyone else who might be. Hey, did you do you remember? Like, did you see this when we read this article? Did you ever because you don't have anyone to do that with? Um, Hmm. So maybe you do have like more responsibility in terms of like keeping yourself safe, where to go, where not to go. 
where to be, where not to be, um, who to, where to get information from, um, you know, different websites. I think maybe it's just more research and, and freedom, which freedom. <laughs> are, are you a social butterfly or are you a homebody? I can be both. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. That's yeah. easy. Yeah, I, I said she tapped that around that one real good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Are you sure you're not a politician as opposed to a travel writer? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> no, because you sort of handled that really well. You were quick on the draw. Yeah. Well, I'm going uh, to circle back to that question only because I had a reason for asking it. But I, I actually want to make a little bit of a pivot because you, you've been talking about Asia quite a bit. And you've written a lot of stories about your experience in Asia. And I, I, first of all, tell us where in Asia you went, because it's not easy for anybody to travel solo to Asia, because, you know, whether you're in Japan or Vietnam or Thailand, there's so many different dialects, so many different languages, so many different things that you have to adjust to. So first of all, tell us about your Asia experience. Where were you? So I was Southeast Asia. So I started in Thailand. I was in Thailand. I was in Vietnam, Indonesia, um, Cambodia, Malaysia. Um, Anywhere else? I think that, yeah, I think that was it. And I didn't end up going to the Philippines. I wanted to, but I had my reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I spent a good amount of time in India as well. So. Wow. And, and also Nepal as well. And, and 67 beds and 66 nights or something like that. <laughs> um, but that, was my, that was my first. Um, so that was like, 20, that was 2017. So in 2016, I decided like, oh yeah, I'm leaving. <laughs> this is not happening. Well, my I guess my follow-up question to that is, why did you choose Asia? Yeah. So actually, I'm just remembering now, when I had got the, the like, oh, I need to leave. Like, I need to go kind of thing. I initially, initially what came to mind was Mexico. Because Mexico was, I had already been here and safe. I felt safe, like a safe choice, right? Because I had already been here. Uh, and it was close to the U.S. and... Yeah. And then and then I feel like one day I was like my nanny job or something and I was like scrolling through something and I saw elephants and I was like, but I've always wanted to like see elephants. Why <laughs> am I going to Mexico? And then yeah, and then I went to then I decided, OK, I'm going to Thailand. And I booked my flight. And so that first that first um, I don't know. What do you call it? First journey. <laughs> yeah, I was gone for like two and a half months. So like. 67 days yeah and I slept in I you, that was backpacking so I was like, in a bunch of different hostels and a mix of hostels and hotels kind of thing yeah but mostly do you know how unusual that is do you have any idea how unusual what you're experiencing I, really know. I think it's so like <laughs> I really really don't oh <laughs> uh, okay I'm just checking I mean yeah most most people don't have enough guts to do what you did I was scared, though. I was really, really scared. I was thinking, I always think about this. I'm always trying to think, like, what's the scariest decision that I've ever made? And getting on that plane in 2017 was the scariest thing that, yeah, it was so scary. I cried. And I say this to say that, so listeners, that if they want to make, a, if they want to travel and it's, yeah, it's far, it's far, right? It's a, oh, whole, yeah. day <laughs> it's a whole day away. and. It's a whole time zone. It's like really and truly a whole world away. I always used to say, like, I'm in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it was really scary, but yeah. Can you share the the scariest personal experience that you've had? And let's top that off with the with the most fun, funniest experience that you've had. Okay. Uh scariest? Yeah. Um okay. I'm going to say India. So one night, one night I was taking a night bus from, I feel like I was in the north of India somewhere. I was going from, I was going to Amritsar. I don't exactly know. The Golden Temple is there. Um, but I was going from one city to the other, to another city. So it was an overnight bus. I feel like maybe it was like 10, 12 hours or something. So I got on the bus at like 5 p.m. And yeah, 5 p.m. ish. And at some point during the night, maybe like 1 a.m., Somebody like starts, somebody pulls open my, my curtain on the bus. So on the bus, if you've ever been like on a sleeper bus, it's like top and bottom, like a bunk bed kind of thing. Yeah. And, but this one was, it had like a wind, like a sliding door window kind of thing. And so someone came and they like pulled it open and whatnot. And I'm like looking around, like what is happening? And there's three police officers down there with my bag, with their rifles and all the things. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> and they're not yeah. saying word to me. They're just saying, open the bag, open the bag, open the bag. And, but I'm like, why do I need to open the bag? Nobody else on the bus is being searched. Nobody on the bus is being searched. Everyone is staring. So eventually I come down and like, I take every single thing out of my backpack. And it was literally middle of nowhere. And I remember, I remember the bus stopping and being kind of awake and looking out the window and it was dark. So then I didn't know where we were. I just thought, okay, rest up kind of thing. And but then the thing opened, my window opened and I came down and I was scared because it was middle of nowhere. Anything could have happened to me. I'm by myself. No one is, is um, intervening. No one is saying like, why are you doing this? Right. <laughs> like, you know? Um, so yeah, that was the scariest. And what's the most, and what's the most amazing experience that you've had? I guess there's so many of them, right? So many, I can't. <laughs> Why you think about that? What was the outcome? Why did they stop you in the first place? They stopped me because I was black. Okay. <laughs> and they didn't quite know what to make of that. Well, they, the bus driver, from the moment I got on the bus, the bus driver was already giving me these kinds of weird, this weird energy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I don't know what he, yeah, he, and really and truly, they all, they, it's this kind of belief that if you're black, in in i don't know well, i don't want to say i feel like that's a generalization but like i feel from my experience it seems that if you're black in southeast asia in certain parts not only southeast asia because this was in india that there's like an assumption that drugs are involved or you're up to something you must be doing something if you if you get a chance and i hate to promote an author on db uh, on our podcast but i'm going to if you get a isabel workerson wrote a book called cast okay, okay. and it basically talks about the caste system that okay. actually started in India, yeah. uh, translated itself to the United States, and mm-hmm. then uh, Hitler picked it up in Nazi Germany. I actually have a copy of it right here. Okay. And India's caste system is so onerous that it does not surprise me that they stopped you there. Uh, as yeah. a matter of fact, that was actually the answer I was looking for, <laughs> maybe to help Isabel sell a book. But she actually she actually went through all this history 
of the caste system in India, and they they do it to their own. They didn't just pick on you because you were a black woman. They do it to their own. It's really bad. I remember when Dr. King went there in the 1960s, and they introduced him. There's a phrase that they introduced him as, and Dr. King got insulted. But as he went back and did his research, he found out it was a compliment. I can't remember the phrase, but it's in this book. Uh, I want to say it was the other or something like that, but they were actually referencing He's Like Us. Okay. Uh, and it's in this. This is a really good book because it'll explain part of what you went through in India. Okay. But didn't they tell you that you that that you met the description of someone who robbed the bus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being. I'm just being facetious. Yeah. Well, in, you know in, in India, that would be funny because nobody got any money. <laughs> but anyway, enough of the bad stuff. Get to the good story. Dave asked you what the good stuff was. Yeah, the I'm most so amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've gone scuba diving in the Similan Islands in Thailand. That was wild and unexpected because I didn't think that that was going to happen. Um, and it happened. And I love the ocean. I can't even, the fact that I even live in a city now, I think when I moved here, that was kind of my thing where I felt like, I don't know if I can stay here because it's a city and I don't really like cities. Um but it doesn't feel like it, right? It f- still feels like a small town with a city of like a million people in a weird way. Um, but scuba diving and climbing volcanoes in in in, in Java in Indonesia, um, just meeting people and the conversations and. I can't choose. There's so many. But I'll tell you what. I'll I'll tell you what. I'll make it easy for you. Uh huh. Tell us, can you detail that tour of climbing the volcano from the bottom of the volcano to the top? So you start, we started at like, we started at around like 2 a.m. You get picked up around 2 a.m. And then the dirt, like the walk up to the, the top starts around 3 a.m. So that way you can see the sunrise once you get to the top. And was there a guy? So I, I've done two of them. So there's one, um, there's one called Mount Ejen, which is in Java. Yeah. And then I also did Mount Batur. And I feel like that one's in Bali. I'm not. Um, the one in Mount Batur, I did that with a guide. And then the one, Mount Ejin, I did that solo by myself. I kind of just followed the crowd kind of thing. And yeah, Mount Batur was interesting because it was with a group of people and you get to certain spots and you stop off for coffee and you can talk and it's cold. Um, <laughs> um and then you keep going and you get to the top and there's a bunch of monkeys. And I remember you really? have to be careful of the monkeys because the monkeys want food. And so I remember at one moment, once we got to the top and I was so excited, like, we did it. Like, I did it. Like, I did it. And I was like, I took that. I, re- I had already known, like, okay, the monkeys, I was conscious of it. And then for a split second, I forgot. And I went in my bag and I was like, hey, you want some? And then all of a sudden, there's a monkey on my hand grabbing the cookies out. And I was like, oh, take it, take it. Um, wow. That, that, that actually sounds pretty cool to me. I don't know what anybody else thinks, but it sounds cool to me. Sounds cool. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. All right. I, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Okay. You actually wrote about this. So I don't think I'm too off base. What does all this travel do to your love life? <laughs> I wrote about this. I did not write about this. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You, you don't have to answer that question. I'll just she's not, not ask. <laughs> she's not going to answer. <laughs> For the folks who can't see, she's because blushing. this is because this is audio, 
She's blushing and she's she's smiling. She has a broad <laughs> smile on her face. <laughs> I just, will always say that if people have, I feel like I've been, I'm in so many Facebook groups and there are so many uh, people who have like reservations about leaving uh, wherever it is they leave. Most of the time it's America. Live. Most of the time it's America. They have reservations about leaving and they want to know like where is whoever it is that they're interested in, like whatever, whoever they're interested in, where are they located? Like where's the best place to go to make sure they're in within this population? So if if so, if a woman wants a black man, like is it if should I go to London, would I be able to find a man there? And I will just say that you can find love wherever you wherever you. Don't stay in one place because you think that. it's not, it can't happen or possible. reminds me of, know. yeah, reminds me of a song. I won't sing it though. Anyway, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gotta get you an opera now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, you actually just brought up a good point in your answer, and I know you were trying to entertain us a little bit, but you actually make a good point. And I think this is really true of your generation. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you your age, but I'm guessing Dave and I have kids that are about your age. And I, I talked to my son, my son's 33. And I talk to him all the time. He does not feel encumbered by the restrictions of travel that our generation, my generation and Dave's generation felt like, okay, we can only go to American places because it's America. Now I didn't grow up like that. I'm a military brat. So I'm used to traveling the world. It's it's not second nature to me, but I'm noticing that most of the millennial generation and the younger generation, they don't, they're not defined by boundaries anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, that kind of reminds me of you. We don't care. We just want to, we just want to (laughs) go. Yeah, all, all the geopolitical nonsense that goes, that doesn't matter to you. You just want to go, have a good time, relax, uh, you know, keep a roof over your head, get some food in your stomach and have a good time. Have a, and live your life. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think uh, too many Americans, um, you know, you always heard that ad is work to live or live to work. I think too many Americans live to work. Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of times, and I've had this conversation with Dave, I get really annoyed when they say, oh, America is the greatest productivity workers in the world. Well, when you're working 150 hours a week, of course they are. <laughs> and <laughs> this know? is not something to be proud of. This is absolutely, this is not something to be like, to have pride in whatsoever. Oh, it, it, it certainly is not. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was in Costa Rica, uh, this is the year before the pandemic. And we were in uh, Tamarindo, which is up in, the, in Guanacaste, which is in the northwest uh, part of um, uh, Costa Rica on the coast. And I met a bunch of Europeans there. They were on their annual 30-day paid vacation uh, stuff. And we just sat up there. Now, my girlfriend's from Spain, so she's used to this. But uh, we just had a – I had such a good time talking to them and about how they were just – you know, Costa Rica was one stop. They were spending a week in Costa Rica, and then they were going to Mexico, I think, where you are, actually. Then they were going to someplace in the U.S. for a week, and then they were going someplace else in Africa before they got back home. I'm like, why don't Americans live like this? Exactly. Exactly. And I think if there's anything that this, um, uh, what COVID could teach us, and hopefully, is that work cannot be everything. Like, it really and truly cannot be. Working the way that Americans have put so much emphasis and pride in working 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week, like that cannot be um, 
that cannot be the most, that can't be, that's not healthy. And there's so much more, there's so much more. That's why I always say like quality of life, quality of living for me is so important. And wait, yes, I might not work. I might not, I still might, somebody could still work 50 hours a week, but if you're working 50 hours a week, you know, in a place that makes you feel good, like you wake up and you feel good. It doesn't feel pressure. And it's like work that you want to do, like work that feels good for you, then by all means, do what you need to or whatever. But to like continue on with this rat race of I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go kind of thing. Yeah, it just cannot. um, It's not sustainable. No, it really isn't. And then you look at our death rates in this country, you know, Americans die, you know, in comparable countries like the European countries compared to us. We die at an earlier age. That's all stress. Stress. Exactly. It's total stress. Now, Dave used to work on Wall Street. Dave, how many hours did you were you working back then? Well, I was a consultant, so you know how that goes. Oh, I yeah, just, okay. I, I just put in the hours to get the, the good old green. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, but um, but af- after a while, you realize that that's not sustainable, like Renee is saying. You know, you've got you've to have some quality time for yourself. You know, uh, that's important. There, there are many more things in life that are important than just making money. I mean, you need money to sustain yourself and so on. But at some point, where does greed kick in? Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. at some point it does. Did we ask Jeff Bezos? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I'm a, I digress. Um, <laughs> but no, I, 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 but I do think you're right. I mean, we, yeah, Renee, you don't know this, but we've had a lot of guests on our show who are what we call digital nomads. We talked about Ray, who lives in Querétaro. We have another girl who runs a company from, she's American. She's in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. But she was in Puerto Rico prior to that. She was in, was it Columbia, Dave, in Medellin? Yeah. yeah. Um, she had this fantastic high rise. I think she lived like on the 40th floor of a 40-story building with these fantastic views. Uh, and now she's in Copenhagen. And she's told us to our face, she's not coming back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. She is so happy being in all these other countries and working because she runs a marketing firm, but she can run her marketing firm from anywhere in the world. Exactly. And now I'm jealous. Now... Yeah, now, now, now I need to get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, one of the reasons that Dave and I are entrepreneurs at this stage of our lives is we get to control our own destiny. And I don't have to, I mean, I work a lot, but it's work that I like to do. I like writing. I like writing my screenplays. I like writing my books. I like um, going out and making the occasional movie and then coming back home and saying, okay, I can take a month off now. Exactly. You know, I, I love that. So what advice would you give regardless of race, to a solo female traveler. We've had a few on our show, and the, Dave actually touched on this earlier. The, the question that always comes up from the, the ladies that we hear from is their safety. Or, or here's, the other, here's the other caveat. A lot of them say they specifically stay at big resort hotels because there's other people around. You don't do that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really long answer. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. I do get it. And I also understand that there's so many. And in hindsight, I feel like there's so many things that I have so many situations and places that I can like see. And I'm like, I don't know how I made it out of there. Right. <laughs> I don't know how I, how I made it out of there. And. And I don't know. I feel like research is your friend. I feel like research is your friend and big resorts and also hostels. I feel like when you're in hostels, this is my first time like being out, being tra- like traveling and not um, being in a hostel. 
So that's been different, you know, for like meeting people and staying connected and um, things like that. So I get that, like safety. And um, for me, I guess for me, like, because I'm black, I kind of black and like and a woman, I kind of have to. I don't know, there's so many things I have to take into account. Plus, I think maybe it's the same for, you know, all women kind of just, yeah, research, research, research. And ask, ask, like, ask so many questions. And the Facebook groups. I think Facebook groups, not like Facebook, but it's helpful. It's useful for something. So, like, the travel Facebook groups, wherever you're going, like, make sure you join those groups. So, if you're going, so, like, Merida. Merida has one. You can join one to, like, specific city, specific country. And, you know, drop a line so that people know you're there. And um, reach out to people. And that way, you know, like, you just have a network of people who, you know, speak your language. And also if you need help, they can, somebody can maybe jump in. Right. We actually interviewed one guest that she got very, very detailed. She would notify, she would call her friends and let her friends know where she's at. She will notify the American embassy um, that yeah. where she's traveling to, et cetera. And yeah. that, yeah, that was sort of like a safety mechanism for her. I send my mom, like if I'm going anywhere, I always send my mom after I book it and it's all done. Then I send my mom the itinerary. <laughs> so there can't be any they, kind they, they, She can't argue back. <laughs> I, I tried that trick with my parents too. And I actually got, I, I got away with it too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. You're, you're in Mexico. You've been there for about eight months. You stick, stay in put for a while. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Where, where would you like to go? Yeah, any place. They could be, you know, whether it's just on vacation and come back to Mexico or just try to live for a while. Where would you like to go next? Huh. I'm curious about Panama for some reason. Um, I'm curious about Panama. I'm curious about Colombia. Um, and I'm curious about Brazil. So, any of those places. Do you have any interest in Morocco? Because I, I find that so... I find that so many people, that's on their bucket list. Yeah, Morocco. I would love to go to Morocco. I really want to go to Tanzania. Um, yeah, there's, there's places. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about Morocco. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting destination. Um, yeah, we, we actually have a person. Um, her husband is from Morocco. Uh, and they, we actually interviewed them. We actually did a two-part podcasting episode just on Morocco because they, their company, they're based in Boston, but they actually have Moroccan tours now. And she, it, 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 was, it was a great, great uh, two weeks of podcasting for us, and, and so much so that she's actually invited us to go to Morocco with them. Oh. Um, and, you know, they, they talk about from the arrival in Casablanca to Fez up to the Tangier, out to the Sahara, sleeping in, in tents for the night. Uh, the the uh, Moroccan version of Hollywood is there. And, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the name of the city because it's about that. <laughs> I think it's Warazat, right, Dave? <laughs> don't ask me to pronounce that long. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ask so me to pronounce it. <laughs> 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 but it, it was just one of those places, you know, that that just fascinated me. My dad was in Morocco uh, uh, for a couple of years when he was in the military, and uh, he always spoke highly of us. So, yeah, Morocco's on my list, too. Tanzania's on my list as well. Um, where were those other places you mentioned? Uh, Panama. I've never been to Panama. My best friend, uh, Vince, Dave. Yeah. My mother-in-law is from Panama. 
It's from Panama, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's all cool. Well, man, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm impressed with you, number one. Don't let your head, <laughs> don't let your head get too big. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, you know, think about this. I, I understand the generational differences, and, and you're kind of like me because you're not afraid to travel, which unfortunately for a lot of Americans, they really are. They're afraid to get out of their own way because they, they think that America is the end on be all the entire world. And when you get out, you realize, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's other things to go on. But, you know, it, it takes a lot of um, guts to do what you do in a good way. And so I personally am very proud of you for taking this step and just going out and seeing the world. Hopefully you get to share a lot of these stories through your writing and stuff. I'm looking at your website now. So I know you've got a prolific writing career in front of you. <laughs> You can take Dave with you can take Dave with you. Just don't give him any room. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger picture, Renee. What has what has traveling done for you? Um, and I think I can probably help you out here. Most people say most people will tell you it exposes you to different cultures. You get a better understanding of other folks in terms of how you can relate to them. Um, I think I've read stories where the impact that it has on your health. So bigger, bigger picture, what has traveling done for, for you, Renee? Mm, I feel like, I feel like in the beginning, like those and that answer where you said, like most people will say like, you know, you meet new people and the cultures and you get exposed to different things, different ways of life. All of that is very true. And for me, I think, I always, since I've started, I'm always trying to figure out like, what's my purpose? Like, what's my purpose of traveling? Like, what's the purpose of like, move, keep moving from different place to place to place. And really and truly, it's just to like, get to know myself <laughs> and um, freedom for me and like liberation and specifically for black people. Like I want black people to travel so much and because it's just a way to learn yes you get to learn about the world you get to learn about the world and then when you learn about the world you learn about yourself and you gain like a deeper understanding about yourself what you can do what you don't do what you don't like um what you want to do what you don't want to do like I never thought I would be here writing like I never I thought I would be teaching forever like I really and truly thought I would be in a classroom like decorating classrooms every year for like children I never thought that I would be traveling and living and doing all these things. Um, so yeah, I would say, I would just say it's a deep, it's a, it's the best for me. It's been like, it's just been such a journey into myself and like knowing myself and learning myself and, and really tying it into like big picture for me. It's like, I love my people. And for me, I really see travel as a way for people, for black people and black and brown people to to see things differently and like open open like their for their horizons to expand and and yeah for them for to themselves really yeah, yeah. I I actually think that's a, a a really good answer and I'm gonna preface what I'm about to say that I'm a lot older than you so I have to preface that before I make the comment that I'm getting ready to make um, but because. My father was in the U.S. Air Force. I lived in Spain for three years as a child. And I, and I remember when I moved back to the United States, we were uh, stationed in Panama City, Florida. And it was the first year they used forced busing to desegregate the schools. All of my neighbors are white. They sent us to an all-black neighborhood. 
And I remember meeting some of the uh, uh, African-Americans who who were from the local community in Panama City. Half of them had never left the 15-mile radius of their front door. They thought that the racism and, and all the experiences that they had were normal. And it was through me, I was their conduit to let them know there's a big wide world out there that you need to figure out how to go see. Uh, if for no other reason, then you'll realize not everybody's like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think there's such a valuable education. One of the reasons we do this podcast is education. Mm-hmm. It's not a mistake that there's two guys of color who are hosting this podcast. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we invite everybody on because you can learn a lot through somebody else's eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, with what Dave and I are doing, I mean, we've had chefs on, we've had cooks on, we've had travel people on, we've had people of every nationality on the planet. And when you realize that the world is not as closed off to you as you think you are, it yeah. makes you do things differently. Okay. That's my two cents. Enough of the preaching. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Davey, you got any other thing before we let this lady go? I, uh, we've ch- kept her for an hour now. Now I certainly want to thank her for joining us. And I, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that this episode will be a hit. I have <laughs> no doubt about that. Well, Renee, your, your website, ReneeCherez.com, yes. has a lot of great stories out there for everybody. It will also be posted in the write-up on our website so people can track you down, see what you're up to, uh, follow you, and things like that. And I hope they do. Do you have any uh, social media, by the way? Are you on, I know you mentioned your Facebook uh, stuff. You're, are you also on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Instagram, same. Everywhere is Renee Cherez. Yeah, and that's Cherez spelled C-H-E-R-E-Z. And she has a lot of great stories, not just on travel. She has a lot of other great stories, too. I, I won't ruin it for you, but you should check it out. She's also got a couple articles posted on Medium. By the way, your Medium follower is pretty awesome. Uh, oh, you've got 1.6 thousand followers I'm sitting here looking at right now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> a little something. Ooh. Yeah, you're doing good, Gerald. <laughs> Go on now. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good. I, I, too, have a medium account. I just haven't used it as much as I should, but I'm about to start. But anyway, Renee, thanks for doing this for you. I, I you know, I, again, it's the middle of the day for you in Mexico. You should be out enjoying the sun. Instead, you're talking to two old guys on a podcast. <laughs> one one drink and run disguised as grape juice. Did you take your siesta yet? No, no she's not no, in Spain, Dave. I was a little late. To, so. They do have siesta here, though. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, a little, a little uh, Some things are closed on Mondays. Um, like a good amount of restaurants are closed on Mondays. They take their rest very seriously. I aspire. Like this is what life is about: rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess that means you have to cook on the days they close, or you just bring home leftovers. Well, yeah, it go either way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, enough of pesting you about your personal life again, Renee. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate you. I hope you'll come back sometime and share some of your other adventures as you uh, hit the road again. Uh, I'm assuming uh, um, uh, once travel's opened up again. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear more about your stories and stuff like that. So please stay in touch. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And that is it for this edition of TripCast 360. On behalf of my good friend Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long, and we'll see you next Monday on another edition of TripCast 360. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha.